Need a few minutes to reset? Great Minds is a podcast from SBS that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yama, and welcome to NITV Radio. Coming up in your program this Wednesday, the 7th of February, Indigenous leaders, federal and state politicians from across the spectrum have paid tribute to the remarkable legacy of Indigenous figure and Aboriginal rights trailblazer Dr. Loja Donahue. Also in the program, conversation with renowned Aboriginal artist, spiritual healer, talented didgeridoo maker and player, Les Lipoaranga Hardestone, in the sidelines of his recent visit to Melbourne, where his artwork was exhibited for the first time in 35 years. And uh, yesterday, tens of thousands flocked to Waitangi to commemorate New Zealand's National Day as protesters voiced concerns the Waitangi Pact is being threatened by the coalition. All these stories and more coming to you on NITV Radio after the latest news. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. A new report reveals closing the gap will fail unless fundamental changes are implemented. Several protesters descend on Canberra, calling for greater action by the federal government to end the war in Gaza. And the federal government set to introduce the final piece of its industrial relations bill. from the Productivity Commission indicates a profound shift in the way governments conduct business with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, communities and organizations is needed to close the gap. The Commission has reviewed the 2020 Closing the Gap Agreement signed by all Australian governments along with the Coalition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Peak Organizations. Parties had committed to mobilizing all avenues available to them to overcome the entrenched inequalities faced by too many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people so that their life outcomes are equal to those of all Australians. The Productivity Commission's review calls for a radical change in approach by all governments, including the public service, because they've failed to fully grasp the nature and scale of change required to meet the obligations they signed. 
New Zealand has welcomed in the country's National Day, Waitangi Day, with a dawn service in the far north, drawing thousands from across the spectrum of Kiwi life. The Governor-General, Prime Minister, Defence Force Chiefs and religious leaders were among a record crowd to brave an early start at the Waitangi Treaty Grounds. The Waitangi National Trust staged the traditional non-denominational Christian service at the birthplace of the nation. In 1840, a treaty was struck between Maori chiefs and the British Crown, laying the foundation for New Zealand. A number of protesters from across the country have descended on Canberra, calling for the federal government to take greater action in ending the war in Gaza. The protesters are asking for the government to stop supporting Israel in their military operations in Gaza, which have left thousands of people dead. Gaza has been left devastated by the ongoing conflict with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu saying he is determined to wipe out the remaining Hamas forces which have gathered in the southern part of the enclave. Green's leader Adam Band has called on the parliament to act on the humanitarian crisis. And it is vital that we act today and that standing and sessional orders be suspended and that this parliament reverses its position in support of the invasion because people are dying and the situation is getting worse by the hour. The government is hopeful of negotiating support for the final piece of its industrial relations reforms today. Part 2 of the so-called Closing Loopholes Bill includes changing the definition of casual work, increasing protections for gig workers and provisions for a right to disconnect. Support from the crossbench is needed to pass the bill. Tasmanian Senator Jackie Lambie says she's concerned about the impact of the reforms on business. Businesses themselves are doing it really tough out there and I don't see that getting any better um, throughout the year. And I just think, you know, for somebody or a party that comes out and says we want to lessen red tape, um, I think that quite some parts of this bill have actually just put more red tape on top and that is not what businesses in Australia need. Prime Minister Antonio Albanese says the majority of women workers will benefit from his government's planned changes to the Stage 3 tax cuts. Mr Albanese attended a breakfast event this morning in Adelaide alongside several other senators and MPs held by the United Nations Women. It comes after the opposition stated their intent to support the government's revisions to the Stage 3 tax cuts. Mr Albanese says his government's decision to make the tax changes was largely based on their impact on women. Part of our process of agreeing to put forward legislation on tax changes to make sure that people weren't left behind is focused on the impact on women. 90% of women will get a larger tax cut than they were going to get and 100% of women will get more. New South Wales Premier Chris Minns has hit back at claims that his government's new housing plan will cause frictions in Sydney's inner city areas. The New South Wales government plans to turbocharge the contribution, the construction of new affordable residences close to train stations in an effort to address the state's housing crisis. It follows statements by the state's treasurer who said New South Wales needs to take immediate action to ensure young people will be in a position to buy a house. Mr Mains says this is an issue that cannot be postponed. 
We're actually, for the first time in a long time, trying to engage with this issue, bring along local governments, have practical changes to zoning and planning so as that young people can have a place to live in Sydney. That is really the end of the day. And in the papers this morning, there was a report suggesting that we're not going to meet our targets. Then you had some mayors in the radio, on the radio this morning saying we were going too far. I mean, ultimately, we believe we're getting the balance right. I'm not saying there's going to be friction. Leaders from across the world, including Prime Minister René Albanese, have sent messages of support following King Charles' cancer diagnosis. King Charles has postponed all public duties while he undergoes treatment for the disease. Buckingham Palace says this, this separate condition was uncovered after a recent prostate operation. United States Secretary of State Antony Blinken says Hamas has responded to a proposal for a ceasefire in the Middle East. The details of that proposal have yet to be disclosed, but officials from Qatar who helped mediate the deal said the response from Hamas was positive. It comes after almost four months of war between Hamas and Israel in Gaza, which erupted following attacks by Hamas in southern Israel on October the 7th. Mr. Blinken says the response from Hamas is currently being examined and he believes an agreement on all sides is possible. So together with Qatar and Egypt, we put forward, as you know, a serious proposal that was aimed at not simply repeating the previous agreement, but expanding it. Uh, As the Prime Minister just said, Hamas responded tonight. We're reviewing that response now. Uh, and I'll be discussing it with the government of Israel tomorrow. There's still a lot of work to be done, but we continue to believe that an agreement is possible and indeed essential, uh, and we will continue to work relentlessly to achieve it. Tougher penalties are in sight for retailers caught selling illegal vapes after more than $1 million worth of the contraband was seized in raids across Sydney. Police uncovered more than 30,000 illegal vapes in secret rooms, drawers and behind fake walls and ceiling panels in a blitz on 60 retailers in the city's southeast. Health Minister Ryan Parker Ryan Park has said the New South Wales government is determined to make it as difficult as possible to access vapes. It's already illegal in the state to sell nicotine vapes without a prescription to people under 18. Further changes in March are expected to outlaw personal importation and the importation of non-therapeutic vapes. And to sport in football, Jordan have stunned South Korea 2-0 in the Asian Cup semi-finals and will attempt to claim the trophy for the first time on Sunday. After a goal-less first half, the Jordanians were able to find two goals by Yazan Al-Naimat and Musa Al-Tamari to shock the South Koreans, who were considered heavy favourites after Japan had been knocked out earlier in the week. Jordan are placed 87th in the FIFA World Rankings, are hoping 64 places lower than their opponents. They will now await the winner of the second semi-final between Iran and Qatar to see who they will need to compete against to get their hands on the trophy. And now having a look at the weather around the country, Brome, partly cloudy, no, partly sunny rather, top of 33, Perth, sunny 36, Adelaide, mostly sunny, 27, Melbourne, partly cloudy, 23, Hobart, similar conditions, 23, Albury-Wodonga, mostly sunny, 27, Canberra, similar conditions, 24, Wollongong, a shower or two, 23, Sydney, a shower or two as well, at the top of 25, Newcastle, showers, 24, Brisbane, a shower or two, 32, 
Brownsville, mostly sunny, 33. Keynes, partly cloudy, 33. Alice Springs, similar conditions, 32. Darwin, partly cloudy, 33. And the Torres Strait Islands, similar forecast, and a top of 32 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News. TV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. Coming up next, a conversation with the renowned Aboriginal artist, spiritual healer, talented didgeridoo maker and player, Leslie Puranga Hardestone, in the sidelines of his recent visit to Melbourne, where his artwork was exhibited for the first time in 35 years. And yesterday... Tens of thousands flocked to Waitangi to commemorate New Zealand's National Day as protesters voiced concerns the Waitangi Pact is being threatened by the coalition. But first, tribute to Dr. Loija O'Donoghue, who passed away aged 91. Celebrated Indigenous figure and Aboriginal rights trailblazer Dr. Loija O'Donoghue, who was central to some of the greatest changes to Indigenous recognition in Australia's history, has died aged 91. A lifelong campaigner for Indigenous rights, the Yonkonjara woman played a key role in the 1967 referendum, native title legislation in the 1990s and the 2008 apology to the Australian generations. Indigenous leaders and politicians from across the spectrum have paid tribute to her remarkable legacy. Penry Buckley reports. Indigenous rights trailblazer and Yunkanjara woman Dr. Lewitcha O'Donoghue has died aged 91. In a statement, her niece Deb Edwards announced she died peacefully at home on Sunday in Ghana country in Adelaide, with her immediate family by her side. She said her aunt had dedicated her entire life of work to the rights, health and well-being of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Tributes have been quick to flow from across the nation. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese mourned the passing of one of Australia's most remarkable leaders, describing Dr O'Donoghue as a figure of grace and moral clarity, while South Australian Premier Peter Malinowskis said he would be reaching out to her family to offer a state funeral. Minister for Indigenous Affairs Linda Burney said it was difficult to sum up the magnitude of Dr O'Donoghue's legacy. She told the ABC Dr O'Donoghue was admired and respected by Australians irrespective of politics and loved by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Her legacy will be felt for generations to come, uh, maybe forever. Some of the changes that she brought about, some of the uh, battles that she was involved in, uh, some of the issues around things like native title, Australian of the Year... Um, and her own life story is the story of the truth of Australia. Born in 1932 to a young Kanjara mother and an Irish father in remote South Australia, Dr O'Donoghue was a member of the Stolen Generations, taken from her mother at age two and put in a children's home. She gained prominence after becoming the first Aboriginal person to train as a nurse at the Royal Adelaide Hospital in 1954, after lobbying against the decision to deny her the opportunity because of her heritage. After advancing her career by challenging discriminatory decisions, in the 1960s she joined Aboriginal rights groups in South Australia while working as a nurse, welfare officer, 
and later director at the state's Department of Aboriginal Affairs. She campaigned for the successful 1967 referendum to change the constitution to officially count Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the population and give the government the power to make laws for them. Paying tribute, Dr Noel Pearson says Australia owes an unpayable debt to its greatest Indigenous leader. Her sacrifice for the cause of her people and her dedication to our welfare led to so many good things under her leadership. When she led ATSEC between 1990 and 1996, they were our best years. We gained so much. Continuing her advocacy, Dr O'Donoghue was made a member of the Order of Australia in 1977. She was the founding chairperson of the National Aboriginal Conference and in 1984 was named Australian of the Year. And in 1990, she became the inaugural chairperson of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Commission, or ATSIC. In this capacity, one of her landmark achievements was lobbying the Keating government to recognise and protect Indigenous land rights and interests through the 1993 Native Title Act. Dr Pearson, who first met Dr O'Donoghue aged 20 and was later part of the negotiating team on the Native Title Act, told the ABC her advice combined humour and wisdom. A lot of it was laughter and, um, but advice. And she was not afraid to tell me straight, as she did with other leaders across the country. She gave us guidance over these last three decades. Um, I first met her when she was 60 years old. She'd already had an enormous career, expertise and experience behind her. I, like so many others, learned so much from her. In her role as the chair of ATSIC, Dr O'Donoghue became one of the first Aboriginal people to attend a cabinet meeting in 1991, using the opportunity to present the organisation's position on the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. A powerful public speaker, in 1992 she became the first Aboriginal Australian to address the United Nations General Assembly. In 2007, the Don Dunstan Foundation established the annual Lewitje O'Donoghue Oration in her honour, and she gave the inaugural address. Senator Burney, who gave the 15th annual address in 2023, and worked with Dr O'Donoghue on the National Council for Aboriginal Reconciliation in 1997, said she was an inspiration for generations of Indigenous Australians. Many of us young Aboriginal women at the time, in, in the 90s, uh, the 80s, looked at Lowitcher and saw possibility. And in her presence, you just felt it. You felt her graciousness, you felt her kindness, but you also felt very much uh, the fact that she could be very stern, and that sternness was always about teaching a lesson. In 2008, Dr O'Donoghue helped Australia face up to uncomfortable truths when she advised then-Prime Minister Kevin Rudd on the federal government's formal apology to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and the Stolen Generations. Her work will live on through the Lewitja O'Donoghue Foundation and the Lewitja Institute, Australia's only Indigenous-controlled health research institute. Green Senator Dorinda Cox told the ABC Dr O'Donoghue's personal greatness will also be remembered. 
what a great woman, a trailblazer, matriarch, and such a, a wonderful, kind and compassionate woman uh, who always made you feel the strength and resilience of her presence when you were in the room. And uh, my heartfelt condolences to her family. For culturally appropriate Indigenous support, call 13 Yarn, a 24-hour national telephone helpline on 13 92 76, which provides support across a range of issues. And the number for Aboriginal counselling services is 0410-539-905. Henry Buckley, SBS News. We must now go to a break, and when we come back, conversation with Les Lipuranga, a renowned Aboriginal artist, a spiritual healer and talented didgeridoo maker and player after his appearance in Melbourne. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. I'm joined by uh, Leslie Poronga Hardestone, a renowned Aboriginal artist, a spiritual healer, and talented digital maker and a player from Darwin. Les, welcome to NITV Radio. Thank you. You're joining us in the sidelines of an event that uh, just uh, wrapped up, an exhibition held in Melbourne, where you also held cultural talks and uh, performed healing ceremonies. Tell us about uh, this exhibition and the ceremonies uh, you just conducted. This is the second time I've been down here, and the first time was only for a day, day and a night. This time has been a week, week and a half or something. The exhibition was uh, good. It was in um, in uh, in queue in the uh, the old um, courthouse. It's been pretty successful. Uh, the last couple of days has been good. Every day at one o'clock, for the whole time I've been here, we've done some cleansing ceremonies. It just consists of um, a bit of didgeridoo and um, uh, eucalyptus uh, smoke and um, and water, just to close up all the all the body and that. It's been really successful, and um, a couple of people have taken it on, and they wanted to want me to come back and do some more. A few of the ladies hold uh, sound and vibration ceremonies, and they um, they're really interested for me to come back and do some stuff. Yeah. We do have uh, locally uh, people perform ceremonies, but not the type of ceremonies you can uh, perform. You're a renowned uh, healer, musician. And a painter, really an accomplished artist, and actually one of your fish paintings has been on display alongside the National Apology to Australia's Indigenous Peoples and the Southern Generation in Sydney. Tell us about this painting. I was in the right place at the right time, and they were in Darwin uh, for a, a Dondale. They come up to see the, to, do, to do with the Dondale mob and all that kind of stuff with all the young people in, in, um, in juvenile justice. So... Um, and uh, they they came to a place where I was working, and um, I've been doing a painting out there, and they just sort of sort of liked it, and then um, yeah, they just said, oh, well, do you want to you want to sell that painting? And I said, yeah. And anyway, there it went back to um, Circular Key, and it sits right next to uh, uh, the apology that um, <coughs> that's in the in the building there. So it's really good, yeah, pretty, pretty good, pretty special. Yeah, what's the name of the painting uh, that's on display there? Uh, it's a it's a fish painting. It's a fish painting that I do, and um, it's to do with um, uh, the bottom part of Arnhem Land and oh, the top part of Arnhem Land. And it, what it is is just uh, fish, fish that um, that are that are reflected by the moon and they shines yeah. in a white colour. So it's good. 
and uh, it's now on display, g- gaining uh, national significance. And you say it stems from work that you do uh, back home in Darwin, and uh, you mentioned uh, the Dondel. Dondel has been famous in a negative way for the mistreatment of uh, youth in detention there. Uh, tell us about the work that you do. Well, I've, I've worked with... Um, I've worked for years doing... Um, Stuff in like anti prisons and juvenile justice, and that. Um, I haven't haven't worked there for a while, but um, I started off a, a, like from an Aboriginal Asian officer in school to um, to work in the, in, that, in that system. Um, I actually held um, one of the first art exhibitions in anti prisons back in the day, and uh, that was that was. Um, not only me, but I just was a part of it. So, um, so I do a little bit now with um, drummed by a lady, uh, Selena, Serena Dalton. She's she's a, a really really good um, role model, good person, and um, does a lot of good up there. She does, and um, I just worked a bit of part time with her, and uh, I don't anymore. But I'll, I'll sort of get back there. On the other side of it is because um, I to get here I had to I had to do a few stuff over in New South Wales and stuff and um, I ended up um, running into some mob in um, Terrigal, New South Wales, and uh, and I played a didgeridoo for them and they they put me on their books so they want me back so <laughs> yeah so I'm going to um, I'm going to try and see what happens but. Um, I've got a bit of work over there. Hopefully I've got a bit of work here too. And uh, coming back to the Australian generations, your family has uh, suffered. Your family was removed from their land. Tell us about your journey. Okay. Um, the original journey is my mum and dad got evacuated. My mother got evacuated from... First of all, they were taken, off to, taken to a mission when they were kids. Yeah. Um, and then they were taken to Groot Island later. Uh, well, they became teenagers and stuff like that. So they've been in the system all their lives. And um, the, what happened is uh, 1942 and the war um, came to Darwin. They they were evacuated from there, from, from Groot Island all the way down to New South Wales. So my mother and my eldest brother went down there and my dad, he'd done a bit of work. He worked for the army. The Navy and they, they were diving dismantling mines in the Gulf of Carpentaria. Long story short, uh, they ended up at Warragamba Dam. I was born in Penrith and uh, I pretty much learned how to play the didgeridoo in 1968. Wow. I was about 10 or something like that, 9 or whatever. But uh, And then uh, the old man um, and mum and me and my sister, we moved to, we moved to Darwin. That was in 1969 or something like that. Pretty much went from there to Yurikala Mission um, over in Nolamboy and uh, Dad's connected with the Ropa, Numbawa, Boralula, Groot Island, um, Yurikala. Um, my dad was a, he's pretty well known. He was pretty well known up that way. He actually worked up there. So um, so we ended up going up to Yurikala and I learned how to I learned how to um, do certain things with didgeridoos and stuff like that from my father. And permission from my grandfather, yeah. so there's a lot of a um, lot of a uh, lot of uh, people. So they think they um, they can 
they can do the didgeridoo and you know well anybody can do it but you do have to get permission to do what I do so I've got that permission not only do you play the didgeridoo, but the sound of the didgeridoo for you is not just uh, sound, uh, music. It's about uh, healing and, uh, well, holistic uh, health practice and meditation as well. Yeah. It's, it's a bit unbelievable, but um, I, it was always sitting in me. And um, I don't know if it's got anything to do with it, but I got struck by lightning like four years ago. Four and struck in, um, in the car park in... Uh, the Gateway Shopping Centre in Darwin. I was delirious for two weeks, like it really hit me bad. Uh, one of the fellows got struck on the Friday after I got struck, and he was a um, he was from Timor, and he was a mango farmer, a mango um, worker, just over here doing work. And poor thing, he he passed. At a, the I think he had steel cap boots on or something on the back of a, a steel truck, steel tray. I was lucky. I had rubber thongs on, and the doctors, the doctor told me that them rubber thongs saved my life. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. But um, I don't know whether it had anything to do with it. But I've sort of come, got a bit in my mind. I've got strong with my, um, with my healing and stuff like that. So, wow, being struck by lightning and survive it. A few of my mates have been struck. I know about three or four people that have been struck in Darwin on the footy fields and all that kind of stuff. Wow. It's an amazing feeling because um, I actually seen that the, that big blue light just bang, you know, just it's unbelievable. And I'm lucky I did have a, um, I, had, I was carrying an umbrella. It wasn't open, but I had it in my left arm and I had the key in the back of the back of my van and it bang, hit the, hit, hit the key in that and bloom like sort of put me off balance and when I disconnected from the car it uh, it stopped. How was the treatment? Uh, well. well they let me out straight away but they checked my heart everything seemed to be fine. It took two weeks I couldn't paint. I could not paint. And what's your mindset uh, during that period? Um, mindset was good like um, like I, you know I'm, I'm 65 like this year so and uh, I just, um, yeah, no, it's, I, feel, I don't feel too bad, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming back to your exhibition uh, and uh, the ceremonies that uh, you held over the last few days in Melbourne, how was the community response from, uh, you know, the participants, the organisers and the visitors to the uh, exhibition? It's been really, really positive and... Um, but and like there's so much interest there's there's people that were um were really emotional in it some people and it's really positive positive stuff that they um that they you know they, they were just talking about like we'd sit down and talk about it and you could sort of see the people that um sort of pick people out that like were struggling struggling with it and they're really thankful um you know some of them like uh yeah, it's um, it, it, very positive. There's a group of ladies that uh, do this thing, and I've done it in Sydney as well. Yeah, I've done it in uh, Sydney, and and, um, and uh, they they're interested in me going back. Yeah, and uh, this mob here, it's only the beginning, but um, I've already been asked if I can come back. So I'm I'm um, you know. 
I'm ready to come back and do more. Now you're a very accomplished uh, painter, nationally acknowledged and internationally, and uh, DJ do player for over 30 years with over 35 years experience. And it's also said uh, that uh, your work is uh, all about empowering community growth and uh, grassroots and fair trade uh, community work. Uh, tell us more about that. Like I said before, I work with, uh, with juvenile, juvenile justice, uh, grassroots and that. But it's all, it's all there because I, I, do, I do a lot of stuff with um, like the elders as well. To me, like working with the elders um, in, in homes around Darwin and Catherine, I've been there in the Ellis too, but I concentrate around that area because I come from the Catherine region. It's uh, really rewarding. Um, there's some there's some old people there that are my um, my family, and um, uh, and I can I can honestly say that uh, there is some people there that are like massive where they come from and their stature in, in ceremonies and all this kind of stuff. And they're poor thing. They just sitting there. They got you know, um, their family comes every now and again. Like now, they don't get to see anybody because all the um, all the roads are all underwater and stuff, and they can't come in from Numbora and stuff like that. And sort of my country, but um, I like to go down to Catherine, and you know, we do a bit of we do a bit of like playing music and singing, and you know, um, did we do one and just talking and stuff like that. I there's a there's a fellow uh, an old man there, and he is one of the bosses of one of them, one of the the, the, the uh, main mob down in um, in Numbora, Ropa and that biggest family name, and respected man, and um, he um, he's in there. So I, I I just sit with him and just learn stuff as well, you know, and yeah. it's unbelievable. People people think you know you just um, you know, just doing your job, but if you find out who people are, and you know, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, before I let you go, any message? The mic is yours. If you've got a message to pass on to the community there, or even to our listeners. Um, the people that brought me down and helped me out here, and I've got so much respect for them. I just like to um, thank everybody for coming to the um, to that uh, art exhibition. We got some. We've got some influential people there and it was good. I've never had an art exhibition before in my life, you know. I've always had a good name, like I won Native Person of the Year in Darwin or Elder of the Year in Darwin uh, a few years ago. So um, I just, um, yeah, just uh, just saying hello to everybody and hope I run into some people, you know, if I do. I'll say hello, whatever. Leslie Polonga. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on ITV Radio today. It's been a really great pleasure having you on our program. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio coming to you from now on the Kulin Nation this Wednesday afternoon. Well, it was a day of lively but peaceful protests in Waitangi for New Zealand's National Day yesterday. Thousands of Kiwis flocked to the small town where Maori leaders and the Crown signed a treaty in 1840. But many say the pact is at risk with the new right-leaning coalition. 
Yusuf Saudi with the story. That we might, by your grace, Prayers as dawn awakens for Waitangi Day, known as New Zealand's National Day, which drew the biggest crowd in three decades. It was an early start at the birthplace of the nation with many speeches. We recognise the struggle into which all people must enter in every generation, so that all who come to these shores may be included under the mantle of deterity, drawn up, debated, agreed upon and signed here, the service was themed around unity and love. Peter Tipene from the Waitangi National Trust. I think we really have to learn the context of Te Tiriti o Waitangi along with Epapakutana, the Declaration of Independence, 28 October 1835. Because what this is all about is learning about our history to move forward. There were a few criticisms directed at the government by Dr Alastair Rees, who discussed the importance of mana, a term used by the Māori people of New Zealand relating to control and authority. This is a Kairos moment for our nation, a time when mana is being trampled. It is time to honour the treaty and unequivocally restore its mana. New Zealand's Prime Minister Christopher Luxon also gave a Bible reading. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. And once the sun was up, the festivities got louder. This includes the Waka voyage, where people paddled through the Bay of the Islands, a guard of honour that has escorted British royalty more than 150 years ago. In 1840, Māori leaders gathered on the banks to sign a treaty with the Crown. Today, many of their descendants feel that pact as being threatened by the coalition, with months of protests culminating. In participating, demonstrators have the message of keep up the resistance. Pretty big, pretty impactful on our people and um, just felt the call. We've come about um, eight hours to be here, got in Sunday night and um, it felt like this is the year to be in Waitangi. Waitangi Day to me means a combination of things. It's similar to Australia Day in terms of uh, an invasion of sorts, but also it, um, it showcases the bringing together of two cultures, the Western culture and the Māori. The Hikoi, also known as the Protest March, is the biggest in decades. It started with just a few hundred people walking over five days, some 200 kilometres, and picking up people along the way. But they're united against new government's policies they say are anti-Maldi. A demonstrator spoke to SBS News through an interpreter about their thoughts on the new government. I'm not sure whether or not they listen. Not sure whether or not there'll be positive changes either. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen with the change of government. So who knows what, what this government will be. It's a big way to see. Waitangi Day has a long history of political protest and today was no different. Yusuf Saudi, SBS News. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. 
Now, Eddie's Little Homies is a new children's series that will premiere on NITV and Netflix on February 16. It's based on uh, AFL legend uh, Eddie Betts' uh, children's books and uh, his life experiences. While in the sidelines of the launch of the series last Sunday in Melbourne, I took the opportunity to catch up uh, with uh, Layla, who lent her voice to one of the characters in the series. Lila, welcome to NITV Radio. Thanks for having me. Now, Lila, we are here at the launch of uh, Eddie's uh, Little Homies, a children's animation series based on uh, AFL legend Eddie Bates' books and uh, life story. And you're one of uh, the voice actors in this series. Can you tell us about uh, the character that you play in this series? So I'm playing Shanti. She's like the playground monitor and she's very bossy. And she goes around giving tickets to everybody and kind of keeping order. Uh, So she's kind of like that classic kid that's, you know, a bit of a bossy boots and walks around thinking they own the joint. Yeah, these books are wrapped in kindness, culture, spirituality. But uh, being a kid's movie, kids uh, can't help but be kids. And there's a lot of mischievous things happening around there. What was the biggest challenge for you as a grown-up playing uh, a kid character? Honestly, I think I got cast because I'm an adult that kind of sounds like a kid, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, Honestly, the biggest challenge playing a kid... Look, I think it's a fun show in the sense that I think it's it's almost like a sitcom. I think the characters aren't really played like their kids. They're just played like their people. And so it wasn't actually that hard. We all had to pitch our voices a little higher. So that was, you know, tricky sometimes. Um, but the hardest part of being on the show was the rapping. There's, there's rapping in this show. And so had to rap, which I'm not a rapper. So hopefully... But you did have to rap anyway yeah. in the movie. So can you rap for us? <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I could do it in there, but I think it's, it, this was months and months ago. I, I, I it has to be in a studio. Have to be in the right moment, you know, in the headspace. Yeah, then then the rapper comes out. As you just said, uh, you didn't, didn't view your role as just playing a uh, kid. This movie has got so many layers to it. There's education, there's culture, and uh, many other angles. What, in your view, is uh, the theme that? Uh, stands out uh, the most in the 80s little homies? I think there's so many important things that the show is doing. It's, it's all about representation, which I think, um, and inclusivity. And I think it's so important that kids see themselves on screen. And this this show is a mixture of people from all different backgrounds. And I think that's what Australia really is like now. And I think... Uh, The most important thing about it is just that kids will be able to watch this and hopefully learn to be kind to each other and also get to see themselves represented on screen. What's the most challenge? I mean, what's the scene or a section or part of the series that you like the most? I just think that all the writing and the direction, look, everything about it, I think, is something so fresh and exciting and, and unique. Um, look, I love music, so the fact that this show has original songs in it and rapping, I think, is something that I think is really, really special. Now, before I let you go, just a closing thoughts or maybe a message you'd like to send to the listeners or even to people, to the audiences who will be watching this movie in a few days' time. 
look, I just say I hope you really like it. I, I think it's wonderful and I think you're going to love it too. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. That's all from my ITV radio this Wednesday afternoon. Your program will be back on Friday with more news and stories from right across the country. I am Patron Tungendame, thanking you for your company this Wednesday afternoon. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu. SBS is Australia's most trusted multilingual broadcaster. Our listeners are loyal, highly engaged and have supported countless local businesses. We offer advertising packages for businesses of all sizes. Our experienced sales team will guide you through the process of owning a great campaign. Bring your own ad or have our production team make you something in one of our 68 languages. Start the conversation with your new audience today. Email sales at sbs.com.au.